Okay, we're gonna. I, I'm gonna read this passage, um, starting actually at Romans 11 verse 33, and we're going to uh, Romans 12 verse 2, starting at Romans 11 verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and unfathomable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you here this morning. We ask that you would lead us and guide us in this time. Again, Lord, that you would be glorified, that we would be changed, that we would see you more clearly and know what you would have for us and then go and do it. Thank you, Lord, for our time now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to be a Christian that makes an impact. I want us to be a church that makes an impact. Otherwise, it just gets to be really routine. Just another Sunday. If if we, if I don't, or if you don't, or if we don't, as a body of believers, make an impact, it just kind of, it just gets to be in routine. Just another day at the church. Just another day at the park. (laughs) What is it that God wants to accomplish in your life? Young or old? Rich or poor? What does he want to accomplish in your life? And we can talk about it. You know, we can, you know, be cheerleaders here saying, Hey, let's be a church of impact. And I think I would say that each and every one of us go, yeah, let's do it. And we could go on in Romans chapter 12 and read about what a church of impact ought to be looking like. Look at verse 9. Romans 12 verse 9. Look at it. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Wow. We could spend a year in that passage alone. And all of us as Christians would say, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you right there. But you know what? We don't know how to get there quite easily enough. We don't quite know how to get to that. 
And guess what? Our passage today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, serves as the bridge. The bridge to get there. From Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 11. Now we get Romans 12, 1 and 2, and that serves, those two verses serve as the bridge or the link to get us to saying, hey, I'm amazed at what God has provided, what God has done on our behalf. Romans 1 through 11. There's the doctrinal foundation. There's the doctrinal basis. That's what Paul has just... It's amazing what Paul, uh, what God has done through Paul to write that out for us in Romans. Romans is one of the most amazing articles or letters ever written. For Christians and for the unsaved also. (laughs) Because why? It shows us what God did to reach down into the depths of our misery and our sin and place us on solid ground. And now at this juncture in Romans 12, he's going to say here, here's the bridge now in which we walk across to get to being, you know, like this passage in in verses 9 through uh, 13. So we move from doctrine, Romans 1 through 11, to practice and behavior. All right? We got to get that inside, into our thoughts, into our hearts, into into our machine up here, into our thinking, and understand this. It doesn't just happen. Okay? And see, there's, we, we could even throw in the, in the thinking that, oh, there's all sorts of organizations that serve our community, that serve our state, that serve in the, in the nation, that serve around the world. And, you know, they're doing that job. But you know what? If it's not done based on the doctrinal statements of the Word of God and for the glory of God, then it's of no eternal value it's it's of no glory to god and see what is it that you want to do in your life we've got to get beyond thinking about ourselves and our little comfort zone and i need to get stretched out of that and you need to get stretched out of that so that we can learn what it is to glorify god and to make an impact in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in our community. And on and on it goes. And you think, oh, shucks. We can't make an impact, you know, in the, in the world. Baloney. We can make an impact in the world. Do you hear what Chris Ward just reported about Jason? Jason, if you didn't know, Jason grew up just outside of the metropolis of Hazen, Nevada. And he can make, because of our prayers, our support, and more importantly, because of God and his work in Jason and Angie, he can make an impact in the, uh, halfway around the world. And here we are, one church that's a support to them with our prayers, our hopefully notes and letters and cards, and our financial help. Okay? So... 
we want to understand, you know, how we get to this point where we know we're honoring to God and not just being another little cute service organization. That we are truly bringing honor and glory to God. He gave us this passage in Romans 12, 9 through 13 to be a very, it's a very clear description of how we ought to live and behave amongst one another. Be devoted to love, right? Have your love be without hypocrisy. How many of you have ever had, you don't need to have a show of hands here, but how many of you have, have felt like, you know, there's times where, you know, you feel like you come into church and you're just kind of like an island. No one really knows you. And, and you're not connect. You don't feel like you're connected. You ever have that feeling? And I know that there's some of you in here right now that can feel that way. And what's the word of God telling us about the one another's? And should there be that kind of a feeling going on? Shouldn't there be a, a, a feeling of welcome, connectedness, involvement, usefulness? Shouldn't there be that? But why isn't there? I'm not saying it's it's that that's I'm not saying that that's the case all the time. You know, we could say you know for the majority, you know, we could say, hey, you know what? Everyone's excited. You know, they feel plugged in. They feel you know connected at Parkside Bible Fellowship. But then there's a certain group, maybe, you know, represented a small group over here, so, you know, that just feel like, wow, I don't, I don't feel connected. It's a concern on a number of levels. Okay. Um, I want us to understand that you and I, if you're a Christian, because that's what this passage is, that's who the passage is talking to is to Christians. And it might be that you're here and that you're not a Christian. And we would love to be able to talk to you about what that really means. It, you know, being a Christian does not mean that you just show up to church or that you were born in America. That's, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you keep a list of uh, rules. That does not mean that you're a Christian. Okay? And so here we are. You see it in your bulletin, the outline that says Christian living. We're going to talk about, well, that's what we want to see. What, what's Christian living supposed to be like? Because mature, growing Christian living builds to a congregation, a church that's stronger and healthier. Okay? And so that hopefully, less and less, there's... There's this business of uh, people feeling disconnected or or not being a part of it. See, the idea of pastors is to train people for the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4. And all too often, the church has gotten it mixed up. In other words... You know, people come in, sit down, and the, and the pastors or the song leaders or the Sunday school teachers, they're the ministers. And you're just, you're sitting there saying, oh, that was good. Oh, that was special. Or that was, you know, touching. And it's like 
the way we've done it is it seems like that the audience ends up being the the examiners, the the judges, the, the evaluators. And if we really performed well, you say, oh, that was really great. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're to train all believers for the work of the ministry. And I here's where I take a little divergence back to last week, Vacation Bible School. Yes. Now, that's what we how that's how we see it that everything went wonderful. We had you know, we had so many people in the light blue shirts that were volunteering. Praise the Lord for that. There's some churches that just struggle to get five volunteers. And so I say, thank God for all of you volunteers and all of you that didn't show up that faithfully prayed for Vacation Bible School. Thank you. Great. Praise God. And let's do our best to check back up on those 17 some children who made professions of faith or some of those adults that we saw that we know who are here at Vacation Bible School. So, I hope that in in the next few weeks now, because in the next few weeks, we're going to take some time in Romans 12 and study Romans 12 and kind of work that way into, here's our thinking about what the church ought to look like. But it's got to start with that little golden key. Okay, and the golden key is found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Okay, so we already read the passage. Now I want to take you through this and say, let's understand, am I living the Christian life in an energized way or in a kind of a dead way? Fossilized. Fossilized or energized. And it starts with the word, I urge you therefore. Some passages it starts with therefore. Now, The therefore is why. It's therefore a reason to go back as to what he said earlier. Now, there's at least there's three critical uh, points in Romans with the word therefore. And we want to look at them real quickly. Romans chapter five, verse one. Go there. Romans chapter five. This is like the one of the first critical turning points. Romans five. There it is. Therefore. Therefore. What? Because of what's been said in Romans 2, 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5. Here it is now. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Remember what we said about that when we were studying Romans? The word justified uh, doesn't mean you be you are becoming. No, the word justified means that God declared you righteous. He has declared the believer in Jesus Christ righteous. It's a judicial term, right? So, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So, that's the, if we could say it this way, the therefore of what? Of justification. 
Romans chapter 8, another familiar place. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's the other one. The therefore of now sanctification. Here's what's going to happen. Now that you're, you're justified, you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, here's the therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right? Amazing. Amazing. Then we go to 12, chapter 12, verse 1. And here's where it says, Therefore, I urge you, and he's not just calling out a little, a cute little invitation. He's saying, I urge you, I beseech you, brethren, you're in the family of God, so therefore I urge you, and he gives us the first point of our outline here. We're going to do our best to unravel, unpack this passage right now. So here's the first point. Number one, the motive of Christian living. The motive of Christian living. Um, Rick's Sunday school class has been kind of hovering around some of these kind of subjects. I urge you, brothers and sisters, if you're not coming to Sunday school, I urge you to come and be a part of the Sunday school to learn what's going on there about the gospel in your life. It's a great, there's, there are great things being taught there. Uh, very intriguing, challenging uh, video clips from the author, the book that they're going through. But he says, here's the motive of Christian living. Let's, you know, let's stop and think a bit. What is it that typically motivates people to say, well, I, I'm trying to live the Christian life? It's like, a, 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 in your mind, it's kind of like a, an awards system that you try and shoot for. Or the proverbial ladder of success, spiritual success that you climb up. And it's like, well, I'm not there, so I'm not one of the really spiritual ones. And so this, this um, kind of a, a disconnect with where Christians are at. You know, there's the really spiritual ones, and then there's the not-so-spiritual ones. And that, that is a reality. That's what we deal with. But I want to tell you something. He gives us the, the heart, the, deep down, the deep-seated heart motive for Christian living right here in the text. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, what? By the mercies of God. There's the motivation for Christian living. Okay? Now, this is it. It's not just, um, you know, what... You know, what comes to your mind when you think of the mercies of God? And that's, that's a challenge to each and every one of us. What really comes to my mind or your mind when we think of the mercies of God? Go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Now, you might not see the word mercies, but guess what? Here's where we start understanding more uh, in a better way the mercies of God. Verse 18 says, the, the wrath of God 
is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, God made it evident to them. Okay? In verse 21, even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Really, God, with that statement, and guess what? You and I are a part of that description. We fall under that description when we're, you know, apart from Christ, in, when it's just me and myself and no covering of Christ, no covering of His shed blood. I then become, un- I, I am described right there. You are described right there. We're ungrateful people when it comes to what God has done. And really, we need to understand what the problem is. We, uh, we are focused way too much on ourselves and our own little kingdoms, our own little agendas. And, and Paul is saying to us, I urge you by the mercies of God. Okay? The motive. Now, and you can go through um, chapter, the rest of chapter 1, chapter 2. Look at chapter 3. Verse 10. There is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. And you might say in, your, in the back of your mind, oh, but that's not true because I sought after God. Oh, where did that come from? Where did your seeking God come from? See, if that's the case, I'll be fine. I'll say fine, fine. But you know who started that? You know who planted that in you? The Spirit of God and the Word of God. It's by the Spirit of God putting conviction in a person's life to draw them to the place of saving faith. Okay? So, there's all sorts of, of understanding and reasons why we, we've got to come to this place of appreciating the mercies of God. He has had mercy on each and every one of us. And it's the idea of what? He's not given you what you, what? Deserve. Here's what you deserve. Here's what I deserve. I deserve judgment you deserve judgment from a holy God. We've offended Him. We have sinned against Him. We've rebelled against Him. We haven't given Him credit. We have not thanked Him. All those things. And yet, in Christ, we come to just this amazing, amazing grace that He has shown us, that He has given to us. And so, with this understanding, now we're talking, again, Christian living. Paul says, I urge you, I beseech you, by the mercies of God. Remember those mercies, okay? Letter A, it it really starts back up in chapter 11. That's why we read it. It's his great worth. It's all about his great worth, okay? You go back to Romans 11 and you see it there. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of God's wisdom, of the knowledge of God. Connect with that statement. And and Paul is saying, you can't measure it. It's immeasurable. It's it's unfathomable. I can't even say it quite right. (laughs) 
Okay? You see it there in verse 33? How unsearchable, how unfathomable are His ways. And then verse 36, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. He is a sovereign, sovereign God. And He's in control. And to Him be the glory forever. And then also His great mercies. Letter B, His great worth and His letter B, His great mercies. So, and it's really, it, many commentators say at chapter 12, verse 1, it's, it's referring to the totality of His mercies. Not just what's mentioned at the end of chapter 11, but going back to all that He stated in the book of Romans. The totality of His mercies. Now, when you have some greater understanding of His mercies, guess what happens then? You're driven, you're motivated to then live for Him. Okay? All right. So, the motive of Christian living is followed by, number two, the duties of Christian living. Now we get to the, the duties. The thing is, we've already, um, we've all, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're already saved and secure in God's family. You're, you're labeled as a child of God through faith in Christ. And nothing can be taken away from you. It's secure in His hand. Okay? But here are the responsibilities that you... If you're saying you're a Christian, here's the next step now. Here's what you need to do. Letter A, present your body. Present your body. It goes from being a matter of what you understand in your mind about the things of your sin and God's perfection and God's resolution of your problem in sending Christ. Now it, 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 it moves from being a thing of your mind to a matter of response from your body. <laughs> when I was first saved, I was saved at like 18 or 19 years old. And I, I, I started thinking these things but some of the things in my life I kept doing that weren't pleasing to God. And then someone shows me Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and, and it says clearly, present your body. Bring your body to the disposal of God. You're at His disposal. And the reason why He says bring your body is because this is the representation of the real you. This is what you are housed in. And so present your body. Not just that you agree with the facts, but now present your body to God. Okay? And how do we do that? As a living sacrifice. Here's where he connects with the idea of the Old Testament. It's no longer the idea of a dead sacrifice. That's what the Israelites all knew about. Bring the the little lamb to the altar and sacrifice it. When you sacrifice it, you kill it and you pour out its blood. It's a dead sacrifice. And yet God's saying, through Paul saying, present your body as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. It's moment by moment, day after day, week after week. You, as a Christian, are supposed to be 
a sacrifice unto God. Okay? Not only a living one, but a holy one. And this is, again, where there's kind of an, I would say, kind of an overlap. You've got to remember it's based on His righteousness, His holiness, but also your practical pursuit of holiness. Is that what you're doing, Christian? Christian, are you pursuing holiness in your life? And this is one of these things where we we get caught up into thinking, well, you know, I, I don't chew, I don't drink, I don't smoke. And we leave the list at some of those things and don't go deeper. There's other issues that God's more concerned about that are at the heart level. And that's what God wants to get at. Okay, And here he then says, not only a living and holy sacrifice, then he says what? Look at the passage, verse 1. It's acceptable to God. And the word there, you might have it in your version, it's well-pleasing. My friend, do you understand what pleases God? It's not going by your feelings. Don't live by your feelings. Go by faith in Christ. And you grow in your faith by being in the Word. Understanding the Word of God. Your faith will grow. And when you understand this passage, you will say, if I've not already done it, now I need to. I need to present my body as a living sacrifice to God. And so therefore, if I've done that, how can I do this to my body? Or how, can I, how should I allow this to be done through my body? And it's all of your body. <laughs> it's not just your hands. It's not just your feet. It's your eyes. It's your ears. It's your mouth. Are you a living sacrifice? Have you presented your body to God? See, I, I'm wondering if most Christians just have figured, well, I, I understand the facts, and I've, I, I've, um, I've risen to that. I... I I ascend to those truths and I'm I'm a believer. All you've done is agreed to this or understood it. Where's the result? Where's the result of that ascent to those truths? It, It must be in how you live, in the actions of your life, the deeds, the works of your life. Okay? So, that's the first thing, is present your body to God. And look up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're in Romans? Keep going right. (laughs) Go to the right, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The very next book. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, in that you are not your own. Believer, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price, verse 20. Therefore, glorify God in your mind. No, glorify God in your body. Okay? See, this is the the blossoming of the new covenant. The old covenant 
you know, in the Old Testament, it was just saying, well, bring a dead sacrifice and cut the throat of that little animal, pour out its blood, and you're good till the next one. And no, now in the New Testament, the New Covenant, Christ has come and he died, what? Once and for all, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Okay? So, we need to understand, once we come to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit resides within the life of the believer And you grow by being in the Word of God. You grow by being with other Christians. You grow by being in the fellowship of believers. And you grow by sharing your faith. All those things. Present your body. Letter B. The next duty is renew your mind. That's your job, Christian. Renew your mind. But let's look at this passage carefully. Because God's got a job in this. God has a work in this. Look at verse 2. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that phrase, be transformed, that's something that you've got to ask God to do in your life. You've got to ask God to do the transformation as you renew your mind. You must renew your mind with the Word of God. And this is, I tell you, this is where so many end up stumbling and falling. They get tired of trying to do it because many times they say, well, I just don't read that much. And thus, what happens is, if you don't read that much in the Word of God, what's going to happen is, you're going to have a a point where you, you just, you don't grow. You're not, there's not going to be transformation. And he says, present your body and renew your mind. And we've got to renew our mind because my mind is really bent towards the things of this earth, the things of this world. My mind is really going in that direction rather than in a spiritual one. I get distracted with all the things going on. I'll be honest with you. You know what? In the church service, (laughs) it's real easy for my mind to be going all over the place. And I need to pray, God, help me to be focused on giving the word of God and being right with you here and and not getting, you know, distracted by all these other little messages, you know, hitting my brain. But we need to... uh, renew our minds so that we will listen so that we would avoid looking like the world we need to renew our mind so that we would avoid looking like the world it says do not be conformed to this world meaning this don't be fashioned after the things of this world Don't be pressed into its mold. And this is what I was mentioning earlier. It goes way beyond what we assume are the really bad sins of mankind. The bad sins of the world. And these are, uh, here's the list that we kind of highlight. 
we, we highlight uh, like sins of drunkenness. We highlight sins of adultery. We highlight sins of murder. That's the kind of stuff we highlight. And in our self-righteousness, listen, in our self-righteousness, we suppress some of the more hidden sins. Things like self-promotion. Things like bitterness. Things like gossip. Things like backstabbing. We, uh, we are pros at suppressing those sins and magnifying the, uh, the really bad sins, quote-unquote, because those bad sins, we see them. Oh, there's that drunker again. Boy, he's a terrible person. And somehow in our minds, we, we highlight those sins more than these others. And so I've got I've to renew my mind, and you, Christian, have to renew your mind to know God's will. Okay? To know God's will. To do God's will. And I tell you, this idea of, of renewing my mind, we've stated this before. You and I are, we are idolatry factories. We, we, we major in, in idolatry of one form or another. And we've got to identify those things and say, is that something that's in, God, in the way between me and God? If that's so, then I need to move that out of the way confess it to God and ask God, oh, please, God, help me not to be guilty of idolatry of self, idolatry of success, uh, uh, you know, idolatry of sports, idolatry of money, idolatry, all these things. We've got to be sharper in our minds regarding those things because so many of them, all of them, then hinder us from a closer walk with Christ. And thus, we make no impact. There's no impact then. Because we're more like the, the fossils of Christian living than an energized, truly energized person living for Christ. We can kind of rattle off some of the, the truths of Christianity, but we've got to go beyond rattling off the truths to living for Christ here in this time, and out in the week. So, not only do I need to renew my mind to avoid looking like the world, I need to renew my mind to be transformed by God. And as I spend time in the Word, the reflection of Christ comes off of us as we're spending time with Him. The reflection of Christ is seen more clearly. It's the Word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to change you. It's the Word of God that brings growth and maturity to the believer. It's the Word of God that is a light unto my path. It's the Word of God that's to richly dwell in my heart. It's the Word of God that's to be, Psalm 19, desired more than gold. It's the Word of God that in keeping it, 
Psalm 19, there is what? Great reward. Right? And the glory goes back to God. Okay? So, we want to understand this passage so that we can cross from this knowledge unto practice. Okay? We will pick it up there next week. Because I, there's a lot here. And I hope that you will continue thinking along this line. We want to make an impact. We want to, you know, make an impact in, in our lives individually and as a church corporately. But we can't do that if we're just going to sit back on, on, on saying, well, I, I was saved and I, I go to church. That's not the extent of Christian living. We've got to go beyond that and say, God, please just help us to grow in this understanding and, and that I would present my body to God as a living sacrifice and renew my mind so that my mind will think more about the things of God than the things of this world. Young people, high school, junior high, high school, college age people, it's critical for you now. It's actually critical for all of us, but especially for you because there's such an overwhelming flood of things that you're being challenged with and you're trying to make a, a decision. Which way do I go? Which way do I go? Make choices that you believe will honor God in your life. Just simple things. Make simple choices today that will you believe that will honor God, that will bring about wisdom. Simple things. Just ask God for His help. Okay? Ask God for His wisdom. Please, let's keep on doing this. Present your body, believer. If you haven't done that, do that then get, let's get in this business of renewing our minds so that God would do that transforming work that only He can do. We'll continue with this next week and the weeks to come, okay? Let's stand up and close in prayer. I want to read this passage and then I'll pray, but just let this passage sink in as we close our time. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. And also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Heavenly Father, we need your help. We are a a people that we are so uh, prone to weakness. We're so prone to selfishness. And Lord, we look to you to grow us and to help us to do the will of God in our lives. Thank you for this time. Bless each person and encourage their hearts with the truth that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And we praise you. 
We ask this and pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.